Pastor Ed Taylor draws our attention to Satan's plan of attack and how God's love overcomes. You need to understand that there is a concerted effort to take you out, Christians, to take you down, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And part of the tools in Satan's toolbox is what you used to do in the flesh. Partying, drinking, carousing, drug use, sexual deviancies, all things that undermine the love of God. And you see how inconsistent they are. How God's love so melts us and changes us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hello, friend. Glad to have you with us as we present Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've got a great study lined up for you today from Romans chapter 5. All this week, the focus has been on the love of God. It really is wonderful and amazing in so many ways. And today, Pastor Ed will make four observations regarding this great love God has for us. He starts off by showing us it's incomparable. The story is told of a Prussian king by the name of Frederick the Great. And he was once touring a Berlin prison. And as he walked by, the prisoners fell on their knees before him to proclaim their innocence. Man after man proclaimed, I didn't do it. I'm not guilty. I wasn't there. What a great miscarriage of justice. Get me out. I don't belong here. That is all except for one man who remained silent while Frederick the Great was walking through the prison. And the king came to him and said, why are you here? Armed robbery, your majesty, was the reply. Are you guilty? Yes, your majesty, indeed I am, and I deserve every ounce of my punishment. Immediately, King Frederick summoned the jailer and ordered him, release this guilty wretch at once. I will not have him kept in this prison where he will corrupt all the fine, innocent people who occupy it. <laughs> All along the way, I don't belong here. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not guilty. I'm okay. I'm a good person. Until one person finally bowed the knee and said, I am guilty. I admit it. I deserve what I get. And great grace was shown to that man who admitted his guilt before the Lord. Do you know that's exactly how it works today in the kingdom of God? as the King himself, Jesus, flows through this room by the power of his Holy Spirit, asking, are you guilty? Are you guilty? And to those that bow the knee and admit their need and their helplessness and their sin, by repentance, through faith, God rushes in through his Son, Jesus Christ, and cleanses you of all your sin and wipes it all away, and a new life is born. Jesus, in love, can take care of the sin problem in your life. You don't have to get upset to hear your need of it. You don't have to run away from God in sin. You don't have to try to clean it up yourself. You can run to him, and he will do a work in you. Which leads us to number three. 
Not only is God's love unconditional and incomparable, God's love is also incomprehensible. Or I like to say it's unbelievable. It's hard to get your hand around and understand how a God so holy and righteous would love men so unholy and unrighteous. How he would reach down to the very depths of the muck and the mire and pick us up and put our feet on a solid rock and put a new song in our heart. Joy to the Lord. It's incomprehensible that Jesus, he died for the ungodly. He died for us in rebellion. He died for us in a time when we weren't even willing to admit our need. He died for us at a time where everyone around us saying, I'm not guilty, and we followed along, when in reality we were guilty. And then finally, someone who was honest, not trying to cover up things, simply says, I'm wrong. I did it. I deserve. I deserve judgment. And I want forgiveness. And it's at that point that God rushes in and changes a life. You can jot this down in 1 John chapter 2. I'll read it to you. I want it just to sink in. 1 John 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If anyone sins, we have an advocate. If anyone sins, we have an advocate between the Father and us. We have someone to go in between for us, someone that's paid the price, someone that's died to forgive us of our sins. We have an advocate, and it says, He Himself, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but also for the whole world. Jesus will take care of the sin problem in your life. He'll rush in and change you. And you don't need to run away, guys. He'll cleanse you from the inside out. You know, that's exactly what happens when you surrender to Jesus Christ. He changes you beginning on the inside, not the outside. And I know sometimes people get disappointed or get frustrated that things on the outside don't seem to be changing as fast as the commitment that was made on the inside. It's like, we want everything to change on the outside, and we'll take all the changes outside. Sometimes as parents, we make that, dis- that mistake. We want all our kids to change their behavior and everything on the outside, never really dealing with the heart of the issue of why they're even behaving that way. And too often, we make the mistake of trying to raise good kids when God wants us to shoot for the target of raising godly kids. And raising godly kids is a heart issue laying their heart before the Lord in prayer, disciplining them according to the Scriptures, infusing God's Word in their lives so that when they become godly on the inside, on the outside, their behavior will follow. I meet a lot of Christians that desire to have all these outward changes but really never have a heart change. I also meet a group of Christians that have a great difficulty in times when they don't see things happening as fast as they would want, both in their lives and in the lives of those around them. It's a lot like my car. I'm not a big guy to wash my car, especially with the snow and everything, you know. Anybody have a black or a dark car? I mean, it gets really dirty, doesn't it? It's like, what did I get a dark car for? Because you wash, I mean, if I wash it on Friday, it's just going to snow on Saturday. So why wash it? Just let it go. Just let it go. And I've got kids to wash my car. Why don't they wash it? That's kind of my thought. So you guys get out there and wash the car. No, Dad, it's two degrees. Wash the car, you know. <laughs> So I'm thinking about, you know, and so I don't do a lot of washing, but sometimes I do. I had a pastor friend come out a couple weeks ago, and, and so I wanted to squirt the car down a little bit, make sure it's a little clean on the outside, you know. He's a friend of mine coming over. I got a clean car, but when he got in, I forgot to clean out the front seat. The front seat's like my office, right? The front seat is, is not a trash can. It's not, but, but sometimes I use it that way. 
and, and so he got in and, 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 you know, sometimes if you don't tell them it's just trash, they'll get in and they'll, they'll you know, they'll be real careful to sit like this because they don't want to step on it. And I just have, it's trash, man, don't worry about it. Kick it, do whatever you want with it. But he said something. He got in my car and he said, yep, a typical pastor's car. Clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. <laughs> I, oh, you got me. And then I'll just do the opposite. I'll clean on the inside and I won't clean on the outside. That's just the way it goes. But you know, listen, God, he likes to start cleaning on the inside. And he's going to clean you up on the outside. He's going to take care of those things in your life. I know you might be dabbling in internet pornography, but you're doing so in absolute rebellion to God. I know you might be going out and dancing and partying and drinking, but friend, you're doing it in rebellion to God. You are not living according to the heart that's in you, the new creation that you are in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to make that decision today to stop. You know, as believers, you have the power to say no. It's one of the most powerful words in the Christian's language to say no to sin. An unbeliever doesn't understand that. Those of you that are struggling, you think, well, hey, you know, I don't even know. I wonder if I'm even a Christian or not. I'll tell you, the difference between a believer and an unbeliever, when they go out and party and they go out and do things they know they shouldn't be doing, a believer either comes home or wakes up in the morning feeling bad about it. See, as an unbeliever, you didn't care. You used to do it, no problem. You'd run with whoever you wanted to run with. You'd do whatever you want to do. If the phone call came, you'd jump out in it in a minute. But now as a believer, you realize there's an addition in your life. It's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And some of you just need to stop answering the phone, you know? When they're calling you to come out, just don't answer the phone. You need to get caller ID, you know? And just call it, oh, party people. Nope, I'm not answering it. Or change your voicemail. Change your voicemail and say, I'm a Christian now. I don't do those kind of things. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And by then, you know, they're not going to call you anymore. You need to understand that there is a concerted effort to take you out, Christians, to take you down, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And part of the tools in Satan's toolbox is what you used to do in the flesh. Partying, drinking, carousing, drug use, sexual deviancies, all things that undermine the love of God. And you see how inconsistent they are. How God's love so melts us and changes us. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to encourage you that the changes that need to be made are changes that can be made. Did you hear that? The changes that need to be made are changes that can be made in Jesus Christ. When we allow the flesh and ungodliness to intervene and interrupt and invade our lives, we've learned that we give Satan a tool to condemn and beat us up. And you need to understand this is a truth for your life. Let's read this together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 17. You ready? Therefore, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Isn't that wonderful? Next to that verse, you can write simply this. This is true for me. Oh, but Pastor Ed, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it's true. Well, do we live by feelings or by faith? Yeah, by faith. Oh, but I don't see it happening in my life right now, Pastor Ed. Well, we do, do we live by sight or do we live by faith? 
This is true. This is a bedrock promise of God in your life. If you are born again today, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Even though they try to prop up from time to time, old things have passed away. The old you, as we're going to learn in Romans in a few studies, is dead. Your old you has died with Jesus Christ on the cross. You are a new creation. Therefore, you can live a new life in Jesus. That's his love. I mean, doesn't that blow you away? That's his work in your life. You and I, we're a new creation. Jot this one down. I'll read it to you. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. This is the promise that God gives through Ezekiel. He says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh. So you can have a soft heart. You can have a new direction in life. No longer a hard-hearted person, you can be a soft-hearted person. So wonderful, the love of God, the changes that it brings about in our lives, the differences. And so we've learned thus far, the love of God is unconditional. Number two, the love of God is incomparable. Number three, God's love is incomprehensible. And the final one I'd like you to jot down is the love of God is simply wonderful. I don't know any other way to put it. My vocabulary is limited at this point. It is so neat to know that God loves me. Back in Romans 5 now, notice, as we wind down, God's love is just so wonderful that it's a pursuing love. It's an enduring love. It's a love that's self-sacrificial. Yes, in verse 8, God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. It's simply wonderful to think of the much mores of God's love in our lives. How much more God is in our lives. How much more loving we've become. How much more we love him and we love others. The much mores of God is unbelievable. Simply wonderful. But not only that. Notice, through his love we're saved from wrath. The wrath of God will not touch us. You know why? Because Jesus Christ took that wrath upon himself. He took the penalty of sin upon ourselves. Some of you are ready to give up on someone. Maybe exact to them some sort of wrath or some kind of judgment. But Jesus Christ has taken that upon himself. He's given us hope. As he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, that Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. That that's a promise that he gives. Flip over to Revelation chapter 3. Let me show you. He speaks to a church in the last days, the church of Philadelphia. A church so close to eternity, walking in the Spirit, encouraging and serving the Lord. He gives a promise to this church, this church of Philadelphia, a church that I pray that we become a part of, that last day church that clings to the Lord no matter what. A church so close to eternity, living in the last days. Look at verse 7, chapter 3 of Revelation. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. I'm just a great church, just steadying on for the things of the Lord. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Don't miss that connection. To know that I loved you, church. 
Because, verse 10, you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Everybody's going to know, church, that I've loved you, Jesus says. And out of your commitment and out of your obedience, I'm going to keep you from the wrath to come. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you close. I'm going to tie you close together with these cords and these bonds of love. Do you know that the Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow? That if you find yourself in a place apart from God today, a place where your sins aren't forgiven, if you can't point to a time in your life where you've bowed the knee and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God, he calls you to himself. He brings you and woos you with cords of love. He convicts you through the strength of his Holy Spirit that's around you right now. And in just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to respond to that conviction. Christian, you might be dabbling in things that you do not belong dabbling in. You might be living a life inconsistent with who you say you are, inconsistent with who God says you are. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of no longer coming in and going out and coming in and going out and coming in and going out and your life never changes. You come in with one face to the church and you leave with a whole different life. You come in and you say one thing, you go out and you do another. Today can be the day where that ends. It stops, it's over. The hinge of that door is repentance. Listen, the love of God is so great and so grand that even in times of disobedience and rebellion, God, he still loves you. He won't give up on you. He won't turn his back from you. I was reading this week and I came across a story about a type of spider that they found in the jungle that builds its nest in the branches of small bushes and small trees. In the little enclosure, it's a very delicate nest as the baby spiders are hatched. When the nest is disturbed in any way, the little spiders all run around and rush out and fried and the mother goes out after them and rushes to their side. I started thinking, though, before I finished reading the article, well, if they go all and rush away, why don't they fall out of the nest? And the mom loses them. And the article goes on to say that as she's alerted to the danger, there's a reason. There's a uniqueness in how the nest is set up and how everything is connected. Each of the young little spiders has a thin, silky strand attached to it, and all of the threads and strands are joined to the body of the mother. And when the babies are threatened by an enemy, they naturally scurry off, giving their lines a sharp tug. And as soon as mom feels that sharp tug, this is instantly felt, and the mom is able to bring the babies back to the nest through these connections, through these silky little lines of web that's connected to her babies. Isn't God so cool in his creation? He hooks everything up and just all works together. Well, I continued reading and I came across a woman by the name of Mary Slusser. I've never heard of her before. You probably haven't either. She was a missionary to an area called Calabar, Nigeria. And she had a very special calling. Her calling was to rescue babies who were in danger and were dying. And she would take them in by the dozens into her home. It was just her and a few others helping. And it was very difficult to care for all the babies at once. But rather than let them die and stay in danger, she would take them in. And as they, well, as they cried and as they were fussy, it was hard to keep up with them. And so she devised a little plan. As she was caring for them, when one of them was stirring and crying, Mary learned to tie a string to each of one of the hammocks that were in her little bungalow there, where all the babies were. 
And so all the babies were around her, and she would sleep there in the middle, and she would tie a string to all the hammocks so that when a baby or two or three or five would start to cry, from the middle there, she would sense that tension, she would feel that tension, and those strings were connected to her hammock, and she was able to start rocking those babies one at a time, two at a time, all the way around her because everything was bound together with cords of love. Cords of love. I want to close in Hosea chapter 11. Would you turn there with me? Hosea is back in the Old Testament. They're in the Minor Prophets. Hosea chapter 11. Oh, whether it's spiders or missionaries or the absolute supreme love of God, He's bound us together with cords of love that we as a church, in the unity of the Spirit, by the bond of peace, are tied together with our Heavenly Father with cords of love. Look at Hosea chapter 11, verse 4. As we look to God with His great love through Jesus today, we're reminded of what the prophet has said. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 4, he says, God does through the prophet, I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and I fed them. And it's those gentle cords of God's eternal love that bind our hearts and bind our hurts and bind us together. And God, he loves you today. He loves you with everything that's going on. He loves some of you enough to convict you of sin. He loves some of you enough to draw you into a deeper relationship. He loves some of you enough that today's the day of salvation if you will simply come. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Romans right now. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. It's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. And as the costs of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, Pastor Ed, we thought we'd try something new this year at Abounding Grace, and that is to give you some questions directly from our listeners and ask you to answer them. Would you take a moment to explain how our listeners can do that through their smartphone? Well, we're really excited. You know, uh, twice a week, uh, nationally, I host a call-in radio show called Calvary Live. It originates here at Calvary Church in our radio network. Isn't it amazing God entrusted to us a radio network that covers 80% of the population of Colorado? And we're still knocking on doors to buy one more station. But at any rate, I, ho I host a, a live call-in show for an hour twice a week 
that's broadcast around the country where I take questions on the fly. Just call in with whoever's on your heart. It's pastoral. And I want to invite you to be a part of this. We're just going to do it a little differently. So you take the voice memo app on your phone and share your question, then email that question to us. And you can email for now. We're going to use my personal email address, ed at edtaylor.org. That's also tied together with uh, my website, ed at edtaylor.org. And use your voice app. Send me a question. Send me a comment. Email it to us. We'll integrate it, if we can, into the uh, program. Leave your contact information, obviously, so that uh, whether we can put it within the context of Abounding Grace or not, we can respond to you and encourage you in the things of the Lord. So use your voice memo app right on your phone and record whatever you have to say, whatever question you have, whatever comment you want to share. Send it directly to us at ed, that's ed at edtaylor.org. And uh, looking forward to this, this is very exciting. So whether it's a testimony or a question, use your voice app, send that file to us, and let's see what God might do in the changes that we're making here at Abounding Grace Radio. So cool. Again, if you have a question you'd like Pastor Ed to answer, or maybe you have a testimonial you'd like to share of how God has used the program in your life, please email that to us at ed at edtaylor.org. And we might use your question on a future radio program. Well, that will do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.